welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm delighted to, to say I'm here with Professor Gerald Pollock. He is a professor in bioengineering at the University of Washington and an author of this really remarkable book. It's called The Fourth Phase of Water uh, and hypothesizes that uh, we may have an, an extra state of water that we, we weren't uh, familiar with um, beyond solid, liquid and, and vapor. I mean, it's, it's fascinating, um, the thesis that you're putting forward, uh, and I can't wait to get into it today. Welcome to the show, uh, Gerald. Well, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, thank you for the invitation, and I'm really happy to be here with you. Thank you. So, um, yeah, for, for the audience who's not familiar with you and your work, could you start by giving us um, a, a, a potted history of how you came to be a, a researcher in water? I wasn't always a researcher in water. I was actually, uh, I began my, my career uh, studying the molecular mechanism of muscle contraction. Uh, and there, a countryman of yours, or actually two of them, were particularly famous. The, the perhaps more, more famous one was Sir Andrew Huxley, who passed several years ago. And, and as, you, as you may know, uh, 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 Huxley was, he was a godlike figure, and uh, uh, starting with the fact that he was a member of the Huxley family, uh, but he won a Nobel Prize. Uh, he was uh, president of the Royal Society, et cetera, et cetera. And he was the person who came forth with a theory about how how muscles work. Um, they practically the the entire cadre of researchers in muscle contraction followed his theory. We found that the theory was inadequate. Uh, there were uh, countless observations that simply didn't fit with his theory. And despite uh, the fact that he was a towering, uh, legendary figure in, in trying to search for the truth, um, we, we have to admit that, no, it, his theory doesn't work. So um, we, although we were uh, friends, quote, unquote, we, um, uh, we had uh, differing uh, points of, of, uh, of view. And one of the points of view um, that he and others had is that is that uh, uh, in terms of in terms of water? I'm sorry. In terms of uh, uh, muscles and how they contract, um, water is not important because the typical models that he and others had come up with um, the proteins, which are largely responsible for generating the force, they operate in a vacuum, not in water. I mean, that was the implicit assumption because. Uh, all you need to do is to um, to uh, look at theory in any textbook, and you'll never see the word water mentioned. So, um, and I I wondered about that. I I had a, a colleague who kept bugging me to consider water. He said you got to consider water because after all, muscles are mostly water. If if you just like other tissues in the body, uh, muscles are roughly two thirds water by volume, and if you if you translate that by volume into the fraction of molecules that are water molecules, uh, in other words, if you line up all the, the molecules in in the muscle, uh, you'll find that more than 99 out of 100 are water molecules because the water molecules are so tiny that in order to fill up that two-thirds volume, you need a lot of water molecules. 
So you do the count and you find that more than 99 uh, out of 100 molecules are water molecules and you start scratching your head. I do that all the time. That's why my hair is <laughs> rather, uh, you know, and, uh, um, and, and, and how is it possible that more than 99 out of 100 molecules are irrelevant, don't do anything, or even, even aren't there, you see? And I had the experience, uh, uh, the, the life-changing experience um, about two and a half decades ago of having been invited to a conference in Hungary. And, and the conference was to, um, it, it was in memory of a famous Hungarian biophysicist. And this biophysicist had uh, two areas of interest. One was muscle contraction, and the other was water. And so I was invited to speak about muscle contraction because this biophysicist, like myself, was not satisfied with the prevailing uh, theory put forth by Sir, Sir Andrew Huxley. Uh, and so I was invited to speak on that, which I did. But for me, uh, the life-changing experience was to come upon the people who were studying water. Right. And, and I met uh, there a, a guy named Gilbert Ling, uh, who was a pioneer in, in studying water. And I met uh, a dozen or so people who had evidence to support his point of view. His point of view was radical. Um, you know, if you... If you read the textbooks again, <laughs> textbooks, uh, uh, you you find that uh, in 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 muscles and other tissues of the body, the water that exists there is plain old ordinary liquid water, like the stuff that's sitting in a glass. Nothing different. They had evidence that that was not the case. Um, so Gilbert Ling spent a good part of his life uh, uh, gathering evidence to demonstrate that the water in the cells, in your cells, my cells, differ uh, for, from that. That is, the molecules are, are ordered like, like soldiers at attention. And, and, right. and his idea was that uh, each, each water molecule could be represented as a dipole, uh, that is, um, a little bean with a plus at one end and minus at the other end. Uh, you know, that's a reasonable representation. And uh, if the molecule molecule had uh, those charges, then you could understand how uh, these dipoles could stack, could line up uh, with the plus of one attached to the minus of the other. And it could line up for quite a few molecular layers. And that's what, that's what Ling and, and, um, and others had gathered evidence to show that the water, the water was not ordinary liquid water, that uh, the water had uh, completely different characteristics. So I attended the meeting and I was moved. I, I, it was, I was flabbergasted to hear that and to see the massive amount of evidence that the water in biology uh, differed from ordinary liquid water. So I came home and, um, and I decided um, to, to check out my, my uh, enthusiasm and see if it was tempered somewhat by by giving one of Ling's books, by that time he had written, I think, four or five, um, giving, giving it to, to uh, a few of my students and postdocs who were particularly astute. And they all came back to me. They came to me with essentially the same argument. If Ling is right, and it looks as though he's right from everything that uh, is presented, then all the biology is wrong. 
all of what we think about biology. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think it was not an understatement. So <laughs> I found I felt the same, precisely the same. But I wanted to check out because sometimes uh, my enthusiasm uh, will run away with <laughs> beyond uh, uh, the the normal bounds. And and so I was right. So what what should we do? We've been studying muscle contraction and um uh and so first thing to do is i i need to spread the message and the message of gilbert lane and so i wrote a book not the one that you showed uh, earlier yeah which is has become extremely popular but uh the earlier book which which uh, was received with mixed reviews um uh, is it's called cells gels and the engines of life and and the idea was to represent Gilbert Ling's point of view uh, about the, the water that's in, exists in, in biology, but to, to do it in a palatable way or an understandable way for people who, you know, are not necessarily experts in physical chemistry. Because Gilbert Ling, uh, notwithstanding his acknowledged brilliance, um, he was not a great writer. So he would sit down. Uh, at the word processor or earlier the typewriter and you know he'd bat something out and he'd send it off to the publisher and that was it that the word editing uh, never it was not in his vocabulary <laughs> and so okay. so his stuff was not easy to digest uh, he himself could understand it very well no problem but for the rest of us it was a challenge and and so um i decided to write write a book to make gilbert ling's ideas known uh to to the rest of the world and i did but, that but just I, before just just I'm, I'm i'm still intrigued by what's made it why does it make biology wrong just because you've discovered that this water inside cells has a site as a different structure it's they're ordered up like dipoles why does that make biology wrong maybe you're getting to that but that was a hanging in my head as you're speaking no i i'll answer that right now i should have i should have said but i i i i didn't because you know, if the water molecules are, are lined up, it, it's kind of a, you might say, an ice-like state where, um, where the, uh, it's like a crystal. And, and because it's in this sort of ice-like state, uh, the, the uh, molecules, other molecules can't diffuse through it. Um, and all the biology is built on uh, the idea of diffusion and osmosis. So, for example, the way an enzyme works is... Um, You've got an enzyme and a substrate, and, and they need to diffuse toward one another, but they can't diffuse through this kind of water. And, and, and so um, uh, doesn't work. <laughs> and, and the idea of uh, protein folding, uh, you know, so um, if proteins are embedded in this kind of water, they're kind of stuck. They can't, they can't undergo um, uh, a change of shape, for, for example. You know, so so many uh, many of the issues of cell biology just simply don't work anymore uh, in, in this. Well, it it turns out um, I'll get to that in a few moments that some aspects of this so-called structured water, I believe, are wrong because of our 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 discoveries, and um, it's a bit a bit different from what Gilbert Ling uh, w was talking about, but still the same the same principle of. Uh, applies that that the water in the cell is not liquid water. It's different. It differs in in uh, in in ways not like Gilbert Ling uh, had had 
suggested, but a bit, a bit different. And that difference makes an enormous uh, uh, impact on how biology uh, re- really works. So but I'm now responding to your question about how, how we got into it. So yeah. I wrote this book. Yeah, I, I wrote the book and, and um, mixed reviews. Some people said, um, some reviewers said, oh, this is, this is more of Gilbert Ling. And everybody knows that Gilbert Ling is a crackpot and therefore ignore it. To um, uh, at the other end of the scale, um, uh, a well-known uh, Harvard biologist, and if it comes from Harvard, of course, we have to believe it's true. Uh, you know, uh, and, and he said, this is a, a 304-page preface to the future of cell biology. Wow. I like it better. Yeah. So, and so it was the first half of the book was not only a description of Gilbert Ling's ideas, and Gilbert was not happy because, um, um, although I, I I think I dedicated the book uh, to to him, and I mentioned him many times. It, it, he was expecting me to mention his name in practically every paragraph, and and so he was a little bit unhappy, and and our our, our relations deteriorated, and it took it took the better part of a decade for me to. Uh, to, to succeed in my attempts to reestablish uh, a good relation. And when we found experimental evidence that, that uh, for long range ordering of water, uh, he was practically jumping up and down. And, and so uh, good happiness about, about that. So you reestablished relations with, with, with. Yeah. Like- and we finally, and unfortunately he, he passed uh, uh, just shy of a hundred years, years old. And, wow. you know, I got a, got to tell you that Gilbert Ling um, was um, really a remarkable scientist. He came, he he was chosen um, in 1948 after uh, the war. Um, China wanted to send some scholars to the U.S. to study. And they looked through all of China and they picked three of the most promising young scientists to come and study here. Uh, One of them was uh, Cian Yang, who won a Nobel Prize in Physics. Another was a chemist who I'm told, I haven't checked, also won a Nobel Prize. And Gilbert Ling was a biologist, and um, he should have won two Nobel Prizes at least, but uh, he was too controversial, and therefore he won no Nobel Prize. Uh, at any rate, he, he came in a distinguished cohort, and, and his work is remarkable. It, it, it's just that um, I think... Um, there were a couple of reasons why his work wasn't accepted. And number one, it was too radical to be accepted. Um, and, and second, um, his personality was, was the, the kind that, um, uh, um, not, say just not endearing to, um, to many people. There was a touch of arrogance, uh, there mm. and, um, and therefore he was rejected. He was uh, resoundingly rejected by almost everybody except, uh, the people who had serious interest in in his ideas and who cherished uh, many of those ideas. And I guess I was one of them. Um, so in the, in the book, I, I went on, the first half of the book is about Gilbert Ling. And the second half of the book uh, was taking some of the ideas of Gilbert Ling and taking them further. Um, it, it, it's relevant to the question you asked about, you know, why... Uh, how come all of other other biology is wrong if 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 he's right and 
And it, it dealt with what happens uh, when cells become activated. And it's really important. Um, so that's why I, I take a minute to, to mention it. So uh, what, what we found, or what I found, I guess, by looking through the literature, we had done no experiments at that time. We started only after the book was published. We had many experiments, but um, but I found through looking at the literature that um, um, what happens uh, in in cells in diverse cells is that when let's just take a muscle cell for example, it's easy because I know about <laughs> muscle cells, but it, it, the same principle applies to all cells. That when the cell is in the unactivated state, that is not doing anything. And so for a muscle cell. It's not contracting for a secretory cell. It's not secreting for a muscle, for a nerve cell. It's not conducting uh, uh, information. And the water is ordered, as Gilbert Link suggested, but in a different way. Uh, and and the proteins are in the, the extended uh, configuration. That means they're not doing anything. They're just basically sitting there. So you take the muscle and you activate it to contract. Two things happen. The water undergoes a transition from uh, the structured, ordered water to ordinary liquid water. Um, and the proteins undergo a change, and it's the change in proteins and the change in water together that accomplish what the cell is designed to accomplish for muscle cells, that is contraction. And when the contraction is over, all of that reverts to the initial conditions. So it's a cycle that goes, and it, it, the part involving the water means the water transitions from the ordered structured water uh, to ordinary liquid water where things can move around um, and then back again. Uh, okay, so that, that's an essential principle that still holds and um, um, independent of what we've, we've, we found is a really important feature. So, so that's anyway, well, once I published the book, um, I was absolutely compelled to start doing experiments. And so, uh, you know, we had some grant money from the National Institute of Health to study muscles. Um, and I, uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure uh, whether what I did was fully, fully appropriate or not, but I, I borrowed some of that money to start studying uh, water because I thought muscles are important, but water is perhaps even more important. Mm. And that's how we got started. So if that answers your question, I, mm. I, I think, I went on a bit longer than you had expected, but no, no, no. I really appreciate this. The, the story. That's why I also love about your book: the, the stories, and the personalities, and the characters, and it makes it makes the science so much more accessible. So, well, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so so that so that brings you up to start to start to study water, uh, and you've got this, I suppose, hypothesis that that water can water can enter this ordered state. Um. So yeah, what are the first experiments that you start to do, and what do, and what do you discover? Well, we, okay, so we started um, for, started from Gilbert Ling. So I, you know, I, I I figured that Gilbert was probably accurate, was right, and and pretty much everything that he said. But we found it, it wasn't. So so according to Gilbert Ling's ideas, the water molecules are organized like a crystal. We might say a liquid liquid crystal. And crystals are pure, or they can be pure. And if they're pure, then the material um, from which the crystals grew, if it had contaminants in it, have to get rid of those contaminants. Otherwise, it could never be pure. Um, so um, 
we we um, we set up a, an experiment uh, in which we put some contaminants in there, little tiny particles, little spheres called microspheres. And we started with a, a in a chamber. We put a gel. Um, gel. It's a hydrogel. It contains lots of water. And we 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 put the gel in, and we added water. Uh, and the water would surround the gel. And we added little microspheres. And we look in the microscope, and we're following now the idea of Gilbert Ling that if you have ordered water or structured water, it should expel those contaminants, those 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 spheres. And we look in the microscope and right adjacent to the gel where there should have been water plus particles, there was just water, no particles. And it was pretty large. Um, we were astonished that it, it, it grew to, um, um, in, in those initial experiments, uh, about 50 micrometers. And 50 micrometers, for those who are not familiar with scale, it's about half the thickness of one of your hairs. Now, that may seem pretty small, but by molecular standards, it's huge, uh, very, very large. Uh, and later we found it 10 times larger than that, e even. Uh, but this is the, the initial experiments. And so, so we thought, aha, maybe we found it. Maybe uh, the region uh, where water meets certain materials, like a gel, for example, uh, maybe this kind of structured water grows. Uh, that's what we thought. But of course, we had no evidence. Uh, it's just a conjecture that maybe that. So we spent the next um, decade or uh, half decade, at least, exploring the physical properties of, of that, we, what we called exclusion zone, um, because it excludes. We didn't know that, it, that, that the water inside that zone really differed from ordinary liquid water. We surmised or hypothesized that it might. And after after uh, some years of experimentation, a, a dozen different uh, uh, kinds of measurements we found, every one of them showed that that water was distinctly different from ordinary liquid water. And that's when we began calling it fourth phase of water because, uh, you know, it, it's water of some kind. Uh, um, uh, we didn't know exactly the properties, although that, that came a bit later, but it differed distinctly from ordinary liquid water. So, so we called it fourth phase water. And, uh, and that, that's when I, um, I started to write that book that you, that, that you yeah. showed. Um, the book, I, I, you know, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you how popular it is. Um, I, I, I just recently, um, uh, had, had caused someone asked me something and I, you know, well, it, it's got really high reviewer ratings on Amazon and well, how high is it? So I, I said to myself, well, you know, what, what should I compare it to? And I thought, well, what, what's, what's the most popular uh, book on Amazon? And I, you know, I took a guess. I thought, well, it must be Harry Potter. <laughs> and, you know, and so I looked at the ratings of Harry Potter and, and this one um, is just a few points behind the most popular Harry, Harry Potter book. And so I, I hesitate to mention that because um, the response, natural response is, well, therefore, it must be good fiction. <laughs> so I, I compared it to, um, uh, to the famous lectures of the legendary Nobel physicist Richard Feynman. Um, um, you, you nod. Yeah, so, I'm familiar you with know, him. Feynman, yeah. 
So practically every graduate student in physics uh, reads the set of lectures of Richard Feynman. It's a three-volume uh, book. And Feynman had a sense of humor, and, a, and the rating is actually exactly equal to Feynman's lectures. So, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's kind of fun or embarrassing, but, but uh, I think it's partly because water is of interest to so many people, and also um, be, because um, I tried to inject um, a, a bit of humor and humanism uh, into the book so the book is readable uh yeah it's, it's really readable and 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 you're meticulous in any new term as soon as you introduce it you provide a lay equivalent um well yeah and and uh and the and the cartoons are fun and yeah yeah the and cartoons the metaphors are done work by, and... well my my talented son who's an artist who actually oh, okay he studied sculpture and and one day he said dad i you know, I would like to illustrate your books. So um, it, he's gone on. I've got two books coming. And uh, he, uh, unfortunately, he was busy remodeling his home for three years. So there's been a three-year hiatus, but he's in gear again. And two more books are coming. But that's beyond what we're uh, talking about. about yeah, here. That, 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 that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, he obviously gets you. So that's good. You've got a good connection. Very good um, connection. Yeah. Please. No, no. So yeah. So um. So okay. So you 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 just these you put these uh these microspheres in. They get excluded from this zone. And are, are you still? You're not sure exactly what it. You know the how the structure of this water, but you suspect it may be of the dipole structure, or have you have you no, discarded that by then? So we we know a lot more uh, about the structure, and um, and we've. Hypothesize a structure that seems to fit uh, a lot of evidence, and and what led us to a different structure is is the following: um, we stuck uh, an electrode in in that um, exclusion zone, um, EZ, or you'd say EZ, so it doesn't quite work, but for us, EZ is easy to remember. Yeah, right. So I use the term EZ um, often because it's just so simple, but we're talking about the fourth phase. And, um, you know, so, so I'm not sure why we did this, but we stuck an electrode uh, in, and the electrode, by the way, is the same electrode invented by the same Gilbert Ling. It's a, it's made of glass. It tapers to um, one micrometer or less, and you can stick it into a cell and measure the electrical potential of the cell without killing the cell. You know, if you if you um, if you stick um, a, a, a typical electrode made of metal, for example, into the cell. It's, as someone described it colorfully, it's like sticking a telephone pole up your rear end and expecting you to behave normal. <laughs> <laughs> this is tiny, and it really works. And, and we ourselves used it many years ago to study the electrical potential of the cell. So we stuck it in the zone, and we were shocked. It wasn't neutral. It was negative. Um, almost all all the time not there are some exceptions but basically negatively charged so when you think about it um water is neutral the water molecule is neutral h2o is neutral and you can stack water molecules from from uh, seattle to london um and and you never get negative charge you you, you stack neutral upon neutral and you get neutral 
So um, this didn't make sense at all. And we found soon after that, that this region, this exclusion zone region, um, microsphere free region, typically negatively charged. And beyond that region, the ordinary water that existed beyond the liquid water was positively charged. So we found that the molecules of water split and the OH minus um, minuses went on to build what we call the exclusion zone or fourth phase. And the protons, the, the positive components get kicked out. And where do they go? Well, they just lodge in the water beyond. So you've got a negative region next to a positive region. And they maintain, that separation is maintained. So essentially, you've got a battery uh, because mm. you've got positive. And uh, we've been able to um, demonstrate um, 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 that we can put one electrode in the negative, one electrode in the positive, and we can light a light bulb, uh, well, and a light-emitting diode, LED. So... Um, so this has potential. Uh, this has, you know, conceivably huge potential. We we've not yet um, uh, exploited uh, this idea, but we certainly have proof of principle. And I I think personally, there's a a chance uh, that if if well developed, um, uh, this could solve the energy problems of the world um, just simply using using uh, water and. And I have to tell you what I didn't tell you, and I, I will. Uh, any any battery that you have needs to be charged. And so so the question that we began addressing is, well, how does how does this one get where does the energy come from? Because in order to in plus and minus charges like to be um <laughs> like to merge one with the other. Now here the charges are separated, just like a battery. And so so we're where does the energy come from to create this separation? Uh, and we found that it was light. And mm. in particular, uh, it was infrared light. So we did experiments um, uh, uh, we, uh, to, to shine different wavelengths of light on our, our preparation, uh, our experimental preparation. And we found that ultraviolet light, the very short wavelengths, did nothing. Um, wavelengths throughout the visible visible spectrum little longer wavelengths did nothing except toward the reds toward the longer wavelengths where we we found a small effect and then we went to still longer wavelengths the infrared wavelengths and we found an astonishing effect just a very tiny amount of infrared light could could build the exclusion zone by a factor of 10 uh, it, it's astonishing, especially at a wavelength of about three micrometers. Um, so we, you know, and a lot of people don't know, uh, oh, infrared light, what's that? Where does it come from? And we, we kind of know that that um, uh, if we have an electric range and we turn it on, uh, we could see the, the glow, the orange glow and the heat coming, and we say, well, it's generating infrared light. Mm. And that's that's true. It generates a lot of infrared light, but infrared light is everywhere. So if, um, for example, in, in your room, your studio, if you've got a blank wall, as I, as I do right now, uh, for various reasons. Uh, but if you if you were if you had if you turn off all the lights in your in your studio um, and 
you see your your self uh, your mobile phone uh, camera records nothing it's too dark and you can't see anything if i had a camera and i replaced the ordinary sensor which senses visible light with a sensor that senses infrared light i get a perfect image not only of you but your microphone and whatever other apparatus sits in front of you and if you had some paintings behind you, um, uh, it would record that as well. Everything is generating infrared energy, which means that the energy that's needed to convert the ordinary liquid water to fourth phase water is always there. And if you, of course, if you've got, if you add more of that, then, then you get a, a more substantial growth of easy water and basically larger amount of easy water. It's really very simple. So the battery, we're talking about batteries run on infrared energy, which is always there, um, especially the sun. You know, you feel the warmth uh, of, of the sun and the warmth of the sun comes from the infrared energy that's being generated. So roughly half of the energy from the sun is uh, infrared. We feel the warmth and the other half is visible light. Um, so there's plenty of it all around. And, and you yourself, your metabolism is generating heat. That heat is essentially the same as infrared energy. So you um, have infrared coming not only from outside, but also from inside. Mm. So there's plenty of the energy that's required uh, is, is abundant. And so when you think of, of the prospects of getting, getting electrical energy from water, it's water and basically light, infrared light. It's all around us. And, and so the prospect, the prospect of scaling up uh, uh, what, what we found to something that's useful is, is extraordinary. And we just haven't gotten to the point of doing it. You need, in order to do that, you need funding. And um, as you, you probably well recognize, uh, anything that runs against the mainstream runs into obstacles in getting funded. Right. Uh, well, I mean, that threatens trillion dollar industries, right? I mean, that's a, that's a, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely, yeah. There's reason to believe you, why that might get shut down. What, but coming back to the basics, so you know, we understand, you know, well, ice forms when it gets cold, vapor forms when we heat water up. What, what is causing this easy water to, to get created? I'm not sure what you mean by what's causing. So, like, uh, well, or, or what are the conditions in which this mer emerges? Like, what I'm trying to get my head around, like, how does it come about? Like, or yeah, well, it, it okay. So, there's several different ways, but the, the primary way is um, if you have water sitting next to a uh, um, material and the material surface is so called hydrophilic, that means water loving, that means if the surface is horizontal and you drop some water on it, the water will spread out. Uh, as opposed to, for example, Teflon, uh, where if you have a Teflon surface and you drop the water, it beads up. It doesn't, it, it doesn't interact with the surface. And you tilt it a little, and the water will just roll, roll off. Mm -hmm. so, it's, so if you have water next to a hydrophilic surface, not every hydrophilic surface, but we found most, uh, especially biological surfaces, the water will form automatically if you have infrared energy uh, to create this this buildup. See, and but you got it all all around you, um, and 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 so that's not a limiting factor. 
And the more you have, the more uh, of, of this easy water will, will build. So in, in biology in particular, your cell is filled with, uh, with solids. Uh, it's got proteins, it's got nucleic acids and others. And uh, one third of the volume inside the cell um, are, are these, these entities and their surfaces are largely hydrophilic. So that means, that means that the water in the cell is going to be mainly, if not, I hesitate to say completely, but easy water. Um, and, and, and that's how, that's how, so you, you, you drink water and some of that water gets into your cells and, and it gets converted uh, from just ordinary liquid water into easy water because you've got the right nucleating surface to create it and you've got lots of infrared energy to uh, promote the growth. So that's one way of doing it. Um, another way we found is if you just have ordinary water and you stick an electrode in and pass a current that is past electrons, electrons mm -hmm. from the negative electrode around the negative electrode uh, builds easy water. It, the electrons are able to convert ordinary uh, liquid water into easy water. And we've been able to, to demonstrate that. And it kind of makes sense because easy water has negative charge. So you add electrodes to neutral water and you, you get easy water. You don't need the hydrophilic surface uh, uh, to do that. So that's, uh, uh, th those are the two major ways. And we found also um, uh, that some frequencies, if you, if you apply electromagnetic uh, um, signals to the water, some frequencies, not all, but, but some, and we, we haven't pursued it in enough depth to know uh, how many of those frequencies, some of those frequencies will convert ordinary water to easy water, uh, w w which is interesting and deserves a lot of follow-up. So, so that's the way that, that those are the major ways that easy water is is created. So your body is filled with it. Your cells are basically filled with easy water. Wow, yeah, and and we've so, so one of its major characteristics is it, it, it has a charge. It has this negative charge. What else about it? Like if we're trying to give people a sense, because people have got a sense of what ice is, right? If I touch it, it's cold, and what vapor is, it creates these clouds. Yeah. What, what, okay. what, what are the characteristics of it? Well, one, one of the characteristics is um, it, it's, it's viscous. It has mm. the consistency not um, of, of this stuff here, um, but has a consistency of like raw egg white. Okay. And I, we're all familiar with that. It, it, um, you know, it, it kind of sticks, sticks together and, and is highly uh, viscous. That, that's one characteristic. And you can test that yourself. You know, where there's one easy way. Uh, if you're a masochist, you take a razor blade and cut yourself. <laughs> uh, now, <laughs> you cut yourself, and so if the water inside your cells, if it were liquid water, uh, when you cut yourself, it would come pouring out like water from a breached water pipe. <laughs> mm. But that's, you know, it, you don't get water coming, you get blood coming out, for sure, but you don't get water coming out. And, and you don't get it coming out because it's fourth-phase water, because it's viscous and, and it has this uh, gel, gel-like uh, uh, character, uh, uh, as in uh, raw egg white. So, 
that's one characteristic. Um, uh, another characteristic is, well, the negative charge. Um, another characteristic is that the molecules are oriented. Um, and, um, and I guess I should, I guess I should say something about the real structure of easy water, because I haven't, haven't said that it's not dipoles lined up because, because you can't explain negative charge with dipoles stacked. So what we found, we found that um, if you have a hydrophilic surface and the liquid water meets the hydrophilic surface, the first layer of molecules um, undergo a, a, a radical transformation. And, and, and what we found um, is, is that it forms a sheet-like entity whose structure is like a honeycomb. It's full of hexagons, um, regular hexagons. And that forms a template for the growth of the next sheet, which is the same, which forms a template for the growth of the next sheet and so on. So we get these sheets layer by layer. And the sheets are not H2O. Uh, they can't be H2O because the H2O is neutral. Uh, we found it's H3O2. If you count, if you count the number of hydrogen and oxygens in in one of those uh, unit hexagons, this is what you get. Um, you get H3O2. So, fourth phase water. If our model is correct, and you know, obviously, I think it's correct, but one never knows because, as as is um, well recognized, uh, how does it go? It's um, e even even. Even the most beautiful of theories um, uh, can be taken down by uh, one ugly fact. So you never, you never know. Uh, all you can say is, you know, that it seems that the, this model that we've come up with seems consistent with uh, with the evidence, uh, but we're never sure because um, some observation can disprove it. Um, but it seems. Uh, as far as we're concerned, uh, to be a structure that explains a whole lot. Even, even a um, uh, slight digression, you know, ice also contains those hexagons, um, similar hexagons. Its structure is different from what I've just described, but not radically different. And, and indeed, we found that if you, if you freeze water, if you go from ordinary liquid water, uh, to ice, you can't go directly from liquid water to ice. You must pass through this easy phase. So oh. if you freeze water, you well, go. That makes from... more sense why we call you call it a phase, right? Rather than a state. I remember well, yes, that's, that's a, a question good point. in itself. But anyway, that's, that's a good point. A lot of people use the word state, but the phase, yeah, a phase. So you go through the easy phase and then you get to ice. And similarly, mm. if you melt ice, um, you go through the ice melts into easy, which then converts back to liquid water eventually. And and the way you know, there's a way you can recognize this. So um, you go to Switzerland, and you stand beneath a, a glacier, and there's a river that comes from the glacial melt. And so, if if what I've said is correct, um, uh, when the ice melts, you should first see easy water, and eventually uh, liquid water. So if you look at the fresh ice melt, one of the characteristics is that it seems to be colored. I've noticed that that water tends to be uh, greenish. Mm. Um, if you look at rivers, uh, fresh ice melt, I, I've, I've seen this not only in, in Switzerland and in Austria, in, in Canada, Canadian Rockies and such, 
it, it's colored. And, and um, why is that? <laughs> well, people have attributed to the presence of minerals, but and that, that, that's possible. But we found that easy water fluoresces, um, and it fluoresces in the green and the blue, typically. So I think that uh, another way of interpreting the color that you see is that it's easy water that it's the ice that's melted into easy, which eventually melts into ordinary water. Um, and so the, the intermediate has, has color. And the same thing, you know, the tropical paradise um, that you see advertised by, <laughs> by the, the airlines and the travel companies and such, the water is typically blue or green. So we found, you know, the, that fluorescence uh, in, in these regions, you have a lot of infrared energy and a lot of buildup of easy water. And, and I, I think the reason you see the color, it always looks blue or bluish green or something like that, is because it's easy water. There's a high concentration of wow. easy water because of the um, lots of infrared energy. And, and therefore, it looks colored and, of course, looks beautiful and then lures tourists. And so it works. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Okay. And so, and what are your... What are your strongest critics saying here? Like, so what, yeah, how would they explain your findings from, from, from their perspective? You know, what, what's the case against this? Yeah, well, there is a case against it. And um, the case, <laughs> the case actually uh, came initially uh, from uh, someone from my own department. Uh, I'm not popular in my department. Um, um, there are people who made their fortune, uh, so to speak, studying um, interfacial water, that is the water next to biological surfaces. And, and what we found challenges. Uh, it. And so the first paper uh, that was published came from uh, someone from my local chemistry department and, and uh, together with an author who's in my department. And there have been four or five papers that have followed. Uh, over the years. And so um, the papers, to, to a large extent, there's a kind of similarity of theme. And the theme is, is that um, the, one of the surfaces that we use is uh, Nafion. Nafion is a polymer originally invented by DuPont and, and used for many, many purposes. So a lot of people know a lot about the characteristics of Nafion. And they point to uh, some issues um, with with Nafion um, that might or might not explain uh, what some of what we found. And I I argue it that without going into great detail that it do, it doesn't explain it. And they say, well, it does explain it. And there have been a succession of papers basically bolstering that initial view. And the the problem is is uh, that. Nafion is only one of perhaps 50 different surfaces that we've used. And we get the same result, essentially, with all of those surfaces. And, and, and therefore, you know, no matter what, what you suggest um, for, for Nafion, um, you, you have to explain why all those other surfaces uh, give rise to basically the same uh, impact. So, so I don't agree with, uh, with that, that criticism because it simply doesn't. Uh, it, it, it doesn't go on. There are many other technical issues that I, you know, I could get into, but I don't want to take the time to do it. So, 
I, I, I should say in, in general, I make a, a more general point about, about criticism. And I think it's well known that those, those who have staked their careers on, on one point of view, somebody comes along with another point of view, and there's always resistance. And it was Albert St. Georgi, um, uh, who is the, the father of modern biochemistry. He discovered vitamin C, won a Nobel Prize, and so many people considered him to be um, one of the, the great scientists of the past century. Um, he, uh, he said, there were many, many aphorisms that I really love, but uh, one of the pithy uh, ones was that, you know, because he came up with so many, so many ideas, he said, I knew I was onto something important only when the reaction was polarized. That is, when some people were really enthusiastic and other people were hugely unenthusiastic. Then he knew it was important because he knew that, um, that first of all, the enthusiasm from one group meant that, you know, perhaps he really was onto something important. And, and, and the critique from the other side um, uh, came because these people were basically being deposed from their uh, exalted positions by an idea that contradicted theirs. And so, you know, it's natural to, to, to kick and scream. Um, and so it was only, only <laughs> when, when there was opposition that he knew he was onto something important. And so, um, but you know, what you, you, you might do is uh, ask one of my opponents to, come on your show yeah and... i'd love to it does it that, that, that does set it up nicely doesn't it for yeah either, yeah I... either to have a one-on-one -on -one with a opponent or a or a debate show that would be great sure um, uh, yeah 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 I'm, I'm just i'm just yeah and I, yeah because clearly i'm not i'm not i'm not a chemist i'm not kind of qualified to to critique it but um so so and so the picture i'm getting in my mind is this sort of gooey water that that they shine and you know it, it must be quite exhilarating to and I guess that's why the book is getting so much attention and why I sort of, sort of intuitively felt drawn to it. It, it, it really feel, does, does feel like a, um, you know, like a, break, a breakthrough, right? It's, it's, a, it's a, in, in our understanding of, of water and, and helping us to explain various phenomena. Um, well, I, 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 what, what, what can I say uh, without uh, sounding uh, arrogant? I, I, I think it's quite important. Yes, I, yeah. I, I do, and the, the many people who who have um, signed on, so to speak, have have taken it to um, uh, in into realms that I I I could never have have anticipated. You know, there's a whole book that, just in, as an example. I I know a guy from Finland who who uh, deals with Olympic ice skating rinks. Uh, he wrote a whole book on. Um, how you design ice skating rinks uh, uh, so that the surface of the ice is ideal for ice skating, and essentially it's based on um, on, on the material from from my book. Uh, another another group, of course, is health. Uh, countless mm. people have been talking about health because you know if your cells are filled with this this kind of water, then that is highly relevant for health. And we've spent a lot of time on it, and I'm happy to speak more on that on, on that issue but uh so just uh, another another colleague uh took took it upon himself 
uh, from a guy from Italy, and he was interested in how the ancient Romans kept cool in the summer. And, um, and so he took the idea of easy water. He said, well, you know, you pour uh, water or spray water, or whatever, on, on, on uh, walls built of certain kinds of materials. And, and, and what would happen is that, that the materials would, would convert lots of heat, lots of infrared energy, would convert that water into easy water. And easy water is, is a bit like ice. It doesn't, because the molecules are not moving around, it doesn't radiate uh, much infrared energy. And you feel cool, therefore, because the reason you feel, the reason you feel warm is mo molecules are moving around and generating infrared energy. You absorb that infrared energy and you feel hot and warm. But if the molecules surrounding you don't move around a lot, just like ice, for example, or easy water, uh, you won't feel warm. And that's how the Romans, um, the Romans kept cool. And and he said this has to do with easy water. So what I'm, what I'm, I'm, I'm driving at is, is that there are so many applications of this that people have taken up, including, you know, applications in the practical realm, uh, like uh, as as I I mentioned, getting electricity from water, but also various filtration methods. You know, if uh, uh, that we actually again have proof of, of principle. Uh, if if you put contaminated water into a system, let's say that generates easy water, since the easy excludes all those contaminants, all you need to do is collect the easy water, and and you in in essence have filtered water. But you don't need a filter. Uh, the filter right. yeah. filtration is done by natural separation uh, from infrared energy. See? So that's another, and we. We think we have preliminary evidence that we could put ocean water in and get drinking water out uh, of wow. this from the energy of the sun. Just, 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 just that idea alone, imagine how transformative that would be for so well, many countries across we, the globe. Yeah, we're, we're looking. Um, the, the, the issue is, is, is getting support for, for, for these. Um, uh, the ideas, the ideas are, are there. And, um, you know, because the people who control the money are the mainstream people, they don't like to be challenged. And uh, it's difficult to, for, you know, ordinary ways to get support to develop these, these ideas, but they're there and we have proof of principle. Um, and, um, and there's another one um, uh, that I hesitate to go into because uh, the underlying ideas would seem maybe too woo-woo for your uh, audience. So, so I, you know, unless asked uh, directly, I, I, I will skip it for the moment. <laughs> but but this is it. Well, well I, I think I know what you're alluding to. And it's, it's definitely not well, <laughs> people familiar with this, uh, with, with me will, will know um, it, it's not too weary for me. But um, the, the question I just, the, the technical question on the, the filtration idea that fascinates me is, is there a way to, from a body of water, just to simply extract the, Easy water. To what the? I'm sorry. The big easy water. But how does one extract from a body oh, of water mixed extract. mixed yeah. with normal water? I guess bulk water is the term you use, right? And easy well, water. How do you take the the easy water out? Well, without a diagram, it's it's a little uh, uh, difficult. But uh, you know, we, we 
we have a a, a gadget, um, and um, um, uh, we think of a think of a tube, right? Okay, mm. uh, and you put water, and the tube is made of hydrophilic material. You put contaminated water in. So what happens is just inside the tube, an annular region, uh, easy water builds, uh, and all the contaminants are are uh, 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 pushed out of that that annular EZ and into the core. So you have an annulus that's free of contaminants and a core that's full of contaminants. And so the other end, what you do is um, you pull out the core, which which contains the contaminant and dump them. And you also pull out uh, the peripheral uh, water, which is free. And and that's what you, you keep. Oh, so the, okay, got it. It's very simple in principle. Um, and we've worked on that quite a bit. We've you know, if you if you have one tube made of nafion or some other uh, material, we we found that um, um, it works, and the throughput is, is maybe sufficient to satisfy the thirst of a flea. It's pretty slow, but um, you know we've we've worked on improving the throughput, and we've been able to increase it by several orders of magnitude, and 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 so um, we've developed it quite a way. We we ran into a few technical problems which need to be solved, but it shows great promise. The limiting factor is getting support uh, to to solve the various problems that exist that will make it feasible. But you know, when you think about the first electric light bulb, um, it didn't generate a whole lot of light, uh, generated light, it certainly was a breakthrough and it replaced the candle, <laughs> but it took a hundred years to get where we are today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and one would hope that uh, with the exchange of information that's possible right now, these kind of in- innovations would 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 happen much more quickly, given how easy it is for scientists well, and researchers I, to yeah, exchange information. We're, we're looking for uh, the support that would allow us to do this because you know the world is it, it faces uh, innumerable problems, and we'd like to be able to direct. Uh, what we found toward the solution of practical problems, problems of the world. Um, yeah. yeah. It's really serious. And, but uh, we need support to do it as, as simple as that. And yeah. my heart has been, uh, uh, my passion is not so much the technological development, but finding truth in nature. There are so many things to explore that have at, at, at its root or at its heart, the idea of a fourth phase water. Mm. Um, sometimes I can't sleep at night uh, thinking about those ideas. And and so we've been focusing mostly on the fundamental science, but the technology is so important, so critical for yeah. the world. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it in terms of health, you mentioned, and then, and then we'll go woo-woo, okay? So let's start with, <laughs> with, with health. Well, we can, we can uh, ask some of your listeners to sign off at that point. <laughs> yeah, we're doing this movie side. <laughs> but yeah, so so on the health front, uh, how how do you see this getting applied? Your cells are filled with easy water. If you don't have enough easy water, your cells can't function properly. Uh, so you need to do all you can uh, to make sure that your cells are filled with easy water. There are at least a half dozen simple expedients um, that. Um, if you if you want to stay healthy, if you want to fill your cells, if you want to hydrate your cells, which is really what we're talking about, 
um, that that you can do. And you know, I uh, I I'm happy to um, list them uh, if, if if that's of interest. Um, yeah, please do. Yeah, well, the first is drink a lot of water, right? So because that water, uh, the water basically. Um, some of the water gets peed out, but some of the water gets converted into easy water, and that should help. So you can imagine um, after two matches of tennis, <laughs> you're practically dead, and you sit down and drink a few liters of water, and you know you can maybe go for a third match. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's necessary. So okay, so drink a lot of water, and then the second one is um, if you can. Uh, drink water that contains easy water because you don't have to make it. It's already made. Uh, how do you do that? Well, various spring waters um, contain, we, we've documented, uh, contain easy, some amounts of, of easy water, some more than, than others. But um, uh, yeah, and, but an easy way to do that is, um, you know, since, um, uh, in in your country, like in our region, uh, uh, perennial gardens are very popular. So you go into your go into your garden and uh, snatch some leaves from freshly grown plants and macerate them, Just squeeze the juice out of them, and drink that juice. And so what are you drinking? Well, you're drinking the water from inside the plant cells, and those are freshly grown young plant cells, and they're full of easy water. So you're basically short-circuiting the process by drinking the easy water itself. And and what I've heard from various health practitioners um, is uh, they they tell their uh, patients who come and um, suffering from this or that or, or the other, please try this so-called juicing. And and the patient or the person comes back uh, after a few months and says, hey, you know. I'm feeling better, and it almost doesn't matter what your issue is. Um, uh, they, they range all over the place, but they feel better uh, from having mm. done. So that's that's um, uh, another thing. Third, uh, let's see. There, there have been since uh, Ayurvedic times and ancient Chinese times um, certain herbs um, uh, that have been known for five thousand years to be good for health and modern medicine rejects them because uh, you know it, it it doesn't come from a pharmaceutical company and how can we be sure but it seems to to have worked and so we wondered um how how does it work like for example take turmeric turmeric is has growing popularity but uh you know for many years it was more or less rejected uh how on earth could this um, uh, plant m material be of any any use? Um, but we heard enough that we decided to to test to see. One one idea is that maybe um, the buildup of easy water is enhanced in the presence of turmeric. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, you know, because turmeric turmeric seems to be good for dozens of different um, uh, different issues, right? And we found indeed that in concentrations uh, that are representative of what you might have in, in your body, it built easy water, facilitated the buildup. So yes, turmeric. We also tried basil, holy basil, uh, which has more or less the same impact. We found the same. 
and we tried um, uh, aspirin, for example, which is natural, comes from the bark of a willow tree. We found the same. Um, fields, easy water, um, over a wide range of concentration. Uh, and and the, the best one of all was ghee. Um, no, Interesting. I, I take I take a, a teaspoon of ghee every morning. Yeah. Well, that's why you look so healthy. <laughs> it might be why we found that ghee was actually the most of all that we studied. Ghee was the most powerful builder of easy water. Um, wow, so, that's fascinating. And then that is a tradition that goes way, way, way back, right? In the in the, the yoga tradition, years, yeah. as far as I understand, I wasn't there, yeah. but as I feel, I was there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, Five thousand years ago, so um, and then just just to be sure that um, we're on the right track, we we took um, uh, glyphosate uh, poison, right? A wheat wheat killer, uh, highly controversial. I'm not sure if if uh, UK if if that's used, but in the US it's used prof- profusely uh, all over the place, and um, and and. The manufacturers argue that it's perfectly safe for humans, um, uh, but um, um, others uh, argue oppositely. And um, if you know Stephanie Seneff, she's gathered the evidence, which I think is pretty conclusive, that this is a poison that has a big effect. So we wondered, um, you know, um, does this actually diminish the amount of easy water? And we found absolutely it does. And all of this is published. so um, you know uh, uh, that that's a third a third way of building easy water in your in your body is to take these various substances, um, which you're already taking. That's why you look so healthy. Um, <laughs> so, so it works. So that that's um, that's a let's see a third. Let me think. Um, uh, uh, what what else are we? Um, oh yeah. Um, connecting yourself electrically to the earth. Uh, what is what does that do? Well, we mo- most of us assume that the earth is simply a, a, a neutral body, and I must admit, um, I thought so too. I started my career in electrical engineering, and no professor ever told me that the earth had negative charge. <laughs> You know, I learned in four years of study, I learned lots about Maxwell's equations and and you 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 name it. And I, uh, but nobody ever told me that if you plug uh, uh, plug into the receptacle in in the wall, that that third prong uh, was not connected to a uh, to a, a neutral, but connected to a vast sea of neutrality. And uh, I, I I when when first I heard about this. I didn't believe it. Uh, it was a, it was a Russian guy, a very creative guy who worked in my lab for half a year, and he was just about to um, begin his return trip uh, to Moscow or to Pushino, where he was working near near Moscow. Um, and he told me, uh, uh, practically walking out the door, he was talking to me about the negative charge of the Earth. And I said, Andre, um, yeah, you're. You must be on some kind of drug. I never heard of such a thing. He said, well, don't, don't you know about it? In Russia, he said, every middle school student knows that the earth is negatively charged. And I did check with some Russians, <laughs> friends of mine. Yeah, we learned that in middle school. <laughs> you know, 
in modern day, I think they're not learning it um, quite as much, but in the U.S., I'm not sure about U.K., but in the U.S., we never heard a word about that. And if you ask a, a typical middle school or high school or even um, a, a Ph.D. student or postdoc, they never heard of such a thing. So I never heard of it either. And then next morning after Andre left my laboratory, one of my students uh, brings to me the famous lectures that I mentioned of Richard Feynman, uh, the great Nobel physicist, volume two, chapter nine. It's all about evidence for the negative charge of the earth. So the earth is negatively charged. The evidence is clear. It's just that we never pay attention to it. So the evidence is clear. So what you're doing now is if you connect yourself electrically to the earth, um, and you would call it earthing, we'd call it grounding. Yeah. Uh, I have what? an earthing sheet. I sleep on an earthing sheet every night. Well, One of our early guests well, was, a, uh, was, was a ground. Yeah. I, I yeah. had a personal trainer for a while and he'd asked me the next day after it like completely hammered me at the gym. So do you feel stiff the next day? I'm like, no. <laughs> and he was always <laughs> dumb bad. I said, I'm telling you, man, it's the earthing sheet. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's become really popular among some groups and if you look into the literature, there are many theories about how it works. And my own theory uh, is very simple. Um, I said to you earlier, if you inject a negative charge uh, in, into water, it converts the water into easy water. Right. You're doing the same thing. You're connecting yourself electrically to, um, to a source, um, a practically infinite source of negative charge. And, uh, you know, and you're building easy water. And it's the buildup of easy water in your body uh, uh, that is is responsible for the improved health, all aspects of that. See, that's what I should have said to him. I should have said, listen, I've, I've been expanding the fourth phase of water inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, 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 that is the case. Okay, so let me just run on before uh, um, with uh, a couple of others. So, Sunshine, now... Where you live, I think it's similar to where I live, there are lots of gray clouds. Um, right. Yeah. And you notice that, that when the sun pokes through those clouds, people smile. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because we don't see the sun as often as we might uh, like to. So what's, what's going on there? Well, the, the usual interpretation is, it, is it's a psychological effect. Um, and that, that, that certainly might be true. We suddenly see the light and we feel good about it. We feel happy. But there's also a physiological mechanism that is um, the sunlight, as I mentioned, contains lots of infrared energy. And when the sun hits your skull, some of those wavelengths can actually penetrate into your brain. Um, and, and we know that uh, some wavelengths penetrate because right now you can image the brain um, by starting with uh, infrared uh, energy or light from outside. It penetrates your skull, gets into your brain, gets scattered, gets it goes through your skull again, and gets collected, and you get an image of the brain from this. In so demonstrably, uh, the energy gets through to your brain. That energy is very simple; it builds easy water. And so, you know, if you're feeling depressed, um, out of sorts, uh, angry, <laughs> what have you. Um, you're and you know those are uh, you might say normal um, uh, feelings. You feel better, um, 
uh, and be, because the neurons in, in your brain are restored to their pristine condition by building and filling the cells with easy water. So you feel better. So this is a simple interpretation. I, you know, I have no evidence that it's correct, but you, you usually, um, usually simple based on the principle of Occam's razor, uh, uh, simple ideas are more likely to be correct than the more complicated ideas. So, so this, and, and finally, um, well, I, just, I know this is slightly off topic, but it just came to mind. So in your experiments, have, have you actually been able to um, verify that inside cells, have you been able to work with live cells and verify that what's in the cell is easy, easy or is it still a, a, a hypothesis? Well, um, uh, all you can do, um, um, you, you to answer your question in indirect way, um, 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 you you can take as a hypothesis that cell is filled with easy water, and what would you expect if, if that's right. the case? Okay. And there are countless observations that that fit, and so um, uh, you know it's it, it it's a it it would be a real challenge to pull pull the water out and actually make a series of measurements because by by so doing you're going to change the water by the mere act of pulling it out so it's indirect but there's so many uh in indirect pieces of indirect evidence uh for it so i that that would be my answer um but i just want to want to um tell you one more um and that is the sauna or as the Finns say sauna um you know so you you go in you know you're you're feeling um, angry, depressed. Uh, you got pains everywhere, and uh, and you come out twenty minutes later, and you're feeling better. Why is that? Um, and um, and so the characteristic, the chief characteristic of the sauna is the heat, and the heat is roughly equivalent to infrared energy. So you're surrounding yourself, you're bathing yourself with infrared energy, and as I said, infrared energy is is um, uh, what powerfully builds easy water in your body. So you go in maybe devoid of easy water in some of your organs or some of your cells, and you come out uh, filled with easy water, and you feel better. Very simple. Um, uh, so I have no direct evidence that that's the case, but it, again, it's just, um, it follows simply from all that I've I've said. There's just one, one more um, that I, I have to add from from the six expedients that I, I mentioned, but this one's a bit more complicated, but getting popular, and that, that is um, uh, um, uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Um, so right. what, what is that? Well, yeah. insert yourself in, into a um, container, of, if you will, usually a cylinder, um, and, and inside is oxygen under high pressure, uh, or a, a high concentration of oxygen, and also high high pressure, and you get better. and And so this was uh, initially about fifty years ago, when when soldiers uh, wounds of soldiers were uh, couldn't be addressed, the soldiers would get into a hyperbaric chamber, and the wounds would heal. And now it's used for a multitude of of, of syndromes. I've I've been inside of one myself a couple of times as. My uh, late wife, and 
and it's becoming more common. So what's going on there? Why is that? Why is hyperbaric oxygen therapy good for health? And uh, we studied high oxygen and high pressure. Does that? What does that do in in terms of um, uh, easy water, structured water? Well, we found that if if you grow the structured water under 100% oxygen um, instead of 20% oxygen, uh, um, easy grows bigger. And if you grow it under high pressure, instead of usual atmospheric pressure, two times atmospheric pressure, it also grows bigger. So you, you put the two of them together, high oxygen, high pressure, and it powerfully builds easy water. So the mechanism, I think, is the same. The same as what I've been talking about. It's essentially growth of, uh, of easy water. So the bottom line um, uh, is at least one aspect uh, of health is maintaining a full complement of easy water in your cells because easy water participates in everything that the cell does. So you've got to have enough of it. And if you don't, then your cell will be dysfunctional. And if, if, you're, if you're missing a lot of it, uh, then your cells won't even work. Uh, because easy water in your cells is a necessary, necessary condition for the cell to work. In fact, well, I, maybe I, I should stop there because you've got other questions. I, I, I have some more to say about that, but... Um. <laughs> Go on, if it's on the tip of your tongue. Okay, so, um, okay. so I'm thinking about cancer uh, right. now. Uh, so one of, the, one of the features of cancer cells is that um, it, it, is that if you measure the electrical potential of cancer cells, instead of being minus 60, minus 70, minus 80 millivolts, it's only minus 10 or minus 15 millivolts consistently found. What does that mean? Well, um, um, so the question is, why does a cell have this negative electrical potential to begin with? And the simple answer that we've arrived at for various reasons is because it's filled with easy water, which has negative. Which is one charge. of the ob observations you mentioned earlier, right? Is to how yeah, we I might mean, know that know, this, this right. is it's very simple. There are complicated explanations that uh, are in the textbooks. And um, I think most of your audience um, maybe not familiar with the arguments. So I think I'll, I'll skip them, but uh, for various reasons, and I published on, uh, on this, a very simple explanation. The cell is negative because the contents are negative. Uh, and the contents, I'm talking about easy water, has negative charge. The cell is filled with easy water. So if you have a lot of, if your cell is filled with easy water, then you'll have a pretty robust negative electrical potential, minus 60, minus 70, minus 80. If your cell is not filled with um, easy water, it'll be, uh, the magnitude will be smaller, minus 50, minus 40. And cancer cells, like minus 10, or minus 15, it means that there's very little easy water. And so mm -hmm. if there's very little easy water, um, the electrical potential is of small magnitude. And, um, and it, um, if the cell, if, if it's of small magnitude, then um, it's been shown experimentally that w when a cell ordinarily undergoes division, um, the electrical potential transiently get, goes to a small magnitude, uh, just like cancer cells are always at that a small magnitude. So the cell goes on, it thinks it's activated, it goes on and on and on and on, and it keeps dividing. Uh, right. That's So, I mean, this is a hypothesis, and it's just a, 
um, it's it's a, a way to think about what might be the cause of cancer. You know, most researchers right now are looking into genomics as as, as um, the basis for cancer. And you know, I'm not going to be critical of that approach, but I think it's necessary to start thinking about what happens in cells themselves. Why cells go on and keep dividing and and if the cell is filled with easy water and cancer cells don't have very much easy water, <coughs> that's the basis of a, an, another hypothesis. So, yeah, and that would somewhat explain. So, back to the, your juicing reference earlier, I, from what I understand, there's there's nobody claiming that <coughs> that juicing will always um, work with cancer or or resolve a cancer, but there's at least some evidence that some of the time a juicing regime can can help with recovery. I, I was unaware and, and that, of that, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know there's controversy around that, but certainly that's my understanding that at least some of the time it can, it can have a powerful effect, but that would make sense. Um, I had one quick question on health. The, um, the cold cold treatment, the Wim Hof metal, you know, and I've just started experimenting with our ice, bath, ice baths and so on. Is there any, is there any way that easy water might, explain health benefits from cold exposure? Yes, I think so. Um, yeah. So um, in, in, order, in order to, um, uh, uh, as I explained, easy buildup, which is uh, good for health, um, occurs whenever there is infrared energy that uh, it comes to your cells. Now, typically, you get infrared energy uh, uh, from outside, uh, uh, right from the sunshine beating on you, the energy comes and penetrates your cells and and basically goes to the inside. But if you have energy from your core uh, that goes to the outside, the effect should be similar. It passes through your cells to the outside, and by immersing yourself in a cold bath, you enhance the flow of infrared energy from your core to the outside. So you get a more energy flow. Uh, more infrared energy flow through those cells as the energy um, um, permeates from inside to outside, passes through the cells. So essentially, it, you get infrared energy building easy water in your cells. And I think that's the reason why you feel good. And you sort of, sort of turn yourself into an IR generator and, uh, yeah. Yes. Expand yeah. Expand your, e expand your easy. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, so let's let's go go to the woo woo then. I, I think I know where you're going to go, but yeah, I'll I'll let you lead with that. With yeah, okay. some of the more we go, we, we go esoteric, the, yeah, the, the woo woo. Well, the woo woo has to do with uh, in information uh, or so-called water memory. The idea that that water could somehow store information, and and for most. It, this would seem preposterous, and and I must admit, to me, it seemed preposterous um, early on uh, as well until I saw evidence. Um, so the first reason, or the main reason, it seems preposterous is that you know here's water. Um, what kind of information could it possibly store? You think of the water molecules as being randomly disposed, and you think of them as bouncing around a huge number of times every. Uh, uh, well, not only second, but femtosecond. Uh, you know, uh, what kind of capacity could there plausibly be that this could ever store information? And that's the reason why uh, uh, 
once famous researcher uh, whose name was Jacques Benveniste, um, got his career uh, cut off and died prematurely because he was espousing that water could contain uh, information. I, I, I would just interject that you know, easy water doesn't have those characteristics. Uh, easy water is like a crystal. And in some ways, crystal is just like a computer memory. Uh, let me address that uh, in a couple of mm -hmm. minutes. If I forget, please, please yeah, remind yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so uh, theoretically, um, I, I think that if you have easy water, that easy water has the capability of, um, at least theoretically, of uh, absorbing information and storing the information. So Jacques Benveniste was a, a famous immunologist, a really high-level, brilliant uh, scientist, and his career was ruined um, when he declared that, um, or attempted to declare that water has memory. And his experiment was actually rather straightforward. So um, he took, uh, he was experimenting uh, with uh, cells called basophils, which secrete um, uh, histamine. And, and when, um, when he exposed those cells to a, an ant a specific antibody solution, the cells would turn on and they'd secrete, you know. And so a homeopath came to his laboratory and said, hey, you know, I, those antibodies, those specific antibodies uh, that caused this uh, secretion, he said, I can dilute them and dilute them and dilute them until, uh, at least statistically speaking, there are no more molecules left, only water. Water that had been exposed to the uh, antibodies. And, and, and Jacques, whom uh, I knew, um, um, he said, oh, well, I, I, I don't believe that. Uh, why don't you go to the corner of my laboratory? You know, he had a laboratory of some 50 people. He was a prominent scientist. He said, demonstrate. And before long, everybody in the lab was hovering in that corner to see, and he was able to demonstrate it. So Jacques took up this idea, um, and he was able to confirm it. And he sent his paper to Nature, um, whose office is near you, in London, uh, yeah. working in Paris. Um, and the response from um, the editor, John Maddox, published response, you, you can find this in the literature, is, you know, it, you're, it is rejected because I'm not sending this out to review because the idea is preposterous. Uh, if you're right, everybody else is wrong. And I refuse to believe that everybody else is wrong. Therefore, I'm not sending it out for review. Rejection. I've been there myself. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, and, uh, and Jacques, uh, not being a shy a guy, he was angry with this because this is not particularly scientific. Um, um, and he knew he was right because he did the experiments and maybe there was a technical flaw or something, but, but, uh, as far as he could see it, it worked. So he asked, uh, people, uh, colleagues from different countries to repeat his experiments, uh, using exactly the same protocol that he used. And they were able to confirm his results. So they got together and they decided to try to publish together. Again, they submitted to journal, uh, to nature, the journal, which is, you know, perhaps the most prominent journals. Mm -hmm. 
a same rejection. I refuse to publish it or even consider it um, uh, because it can't be right, no matter how many people. Um, so uh, you can imagine the re reaction of any scientist in a situation like that. You know, here, multiple laboratories are confirming your, your, your result. How could this be? So pretty soon um, it became clear in Paris where there were many homeopaths that something was going on. And here is this famous, brilliant scientist who's confirming uh, that homeopathy essentially works in, in, in a way, because, you know, one would think that if you dilute and dilute and dilute until you've got only water left, that couldn't possibly be in effect, uh, even mm -hmm. though people say, well, you know, it works. Uh, so pretty soon across the channel in, in London, the pressure began to build. And so I remember um, Jacques telling me when I visited his laboratory, he points to that telephone. He said, I got, a, I got a phone call on that telephone there from John Maddox, the editor of Nature. And he said, I'll make a deal with you. <laughs> and so what's the deal? Well, the deal was, I will, uh, I will publish the paper um, under one condition. So Jacques said, well, what's the condition? And the condition is, uh, I will get a committee put together a committee of peers to come to Paris, visit your laboratory, and report back to the readers of nature. Um, and Jacques, uh, thinking innocently uh, of the honesty of all people concerned, oh, of course, sure, no problem, you know, absolutely. So we formed a committee, and the committee came uh, about a, a month later. And the committee consisted of three people. Uh, one was... John Maddox, the editor himself, who had no experience with biological kinds of uh, experimentation, which this was. So you might say he was a peer, uh, but sort of a peer with an axe to grind. Um, and the, the second was a, um, a um, I, I wouldn't say researcher, but uh, someone from the National Institutes of Health. They had just developed um, uh, a center for scientific integrity check on scientists who made extraordinary claims and, you know, a neighbor in the next lab said, ah, they're cheating. And so they would come to investigate and, and to see whether indeed they were cheating or not cheating. Um, so he was, that was, uh, uh, I think his name was Walter Stewart, um, someone to check on, on fraud. Um, and the third one uh, was uh, the perhaps the world's greatest fraud buster, uh, uh, a magician uh, called, who passed, um, uh, the amazing Randy, James Randy, magician. And a magician who eventually uh, put up um, an award of a million dollars to anybody who could, who, could, who could demonstrate water memory. It was never given because he was the judge <laughs> to decide whether anybody... You know, and he, he was a bit reluctant to give away a million dollars. So anyway, those were the three visitors. And, and the first two experiments, uh, uh, the first two days they were there, um, the technician who was doing the dilutions and experiments did it. And, and it worked the first day, and it worked the second day. And then third day, the dilutions were done by this guy, uh, Walter Stewart, the second one I mentioned. And it almost worked, but didn't didn't quite work. They hovered in, in, in their hotel room and they decided, well, look, you know, since 
when when uh, the 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 French group does it, it works. And when we do it, it doesn't work. It must be some kind of fraud. But they couldn't figure out what the fraud was. Uh, you know, this is the greatest uh, fraud buster, James Randi, uh, who who is famous for figuring out the tricks of other magicians. <laughs> he couldn't figure out the trick. So the conclusion was, well, these people were very sloppy in their in their experiments and then their record keeping and whatever. So so we think um, that water memory is quote a delusion trick some sort although they couldn't figure out the trick so that was the start uh, of uh, all of the difficulty and and the idea was uh, that well you know um he became he became a, a scientific joke and and the joke was uh, if you're having difficulty remembering things just drink some of Jacques Benveniste water because it's got memory, you know, it'll help you. <laughs> so, so his career um, suddenly went downhill um, sharply and um, he basically couldn't publish another another paper and he died prematurely. He, uh, I mean, his whole career was ruined as, mm. as a result of this. Okay, so that's just a, an introduction. Uh, he, in, at that time, nobody knew about easy water and the uh, uh, idea that here we have a, a, a substrate that at least theoretically had the capacity to store memory. Along came other people, numerous, uh, perhaps I'm exaggerating by saying numerous, many other people. Now we, uh, I, am the organizer of uh, the annual conference on the physics, chemistry, and biology of water. Is, we're in our 16th year. And I invite people to present, and, and some of the presenters, practically each year, we have two or three who present evidence on the memory of water and using different techniques. Um, and, and so there are, there are very, very many of them, and, and I'm talking about established scientists. Uh, there are people who are outside of science who claim to have uh, uh, evidence for water memory, and the most famous one is Masara Emoto, uh, who uh, uh, who devoted his uh, uh, or intention to water, would freeze the water, would look at the water crystals, and he found that if he conferred positive intention to the water, the crystals are beautiful, and negative attention, the crystals were ugly. And this appealed to a lot of people. Uh, however, uh, he didn't claim to be a scientist claimed to be a spiritualist. And he would freeze 50 Petri dishes full of water, and he'd pick out the one that showed what he wanted to show uh, uh, most clearly. So most scientists dismiss his findings, and and they they actually need, need to be uh, repeated in a, uh, and tested for repeatability. And there's, there's one person now in New Zealand, Veda Austin, who's moving yeah. in that direction. Okay, so this is so far not yet evidence uh, for water memory but uh, an interesting an interesting sidelight in terms of evidence uh, appearing at our conference uh, uh, you know each year two or three people who have who report scientists who report evidence and the most distinguished of those i, I guess is luke montagnier now luke won the nobel prize uh, for studying uh, uh, HIV, uh, identifying uh, hiv um, and and he had been a friend of Jacques 
Benvenis, and he was impressed by Jacques' work, and he he took off where Jacques left off. And he was at our, our conference uh, every year for uh, more than a decade, presenting his his results, and a lot of people were interested in his results. There are many others, but of course, being a Nobel laureate, um, you know, you have a tendency to take his work seriously. He demonstrated water water memory and, and with using a technique, uh, and I'll, I'll I'll just mention briefly what what he was able to find. That's now been confirmed in three different laboratories, and it impressed a lot of people. On the other hand, a lot of people said this is impossible. It's just um, ridiculous. Uh, and so what what did he find? Um, so he took a DNA and he put it in into um, uh, aqueous buffer, you know, basically water, um, and a sealed container where nothing could get out, um, a factory sealed. And next to it, he put another factory sealed container, just water. He put them near each other, and he said, essentially, I'm leaving out some details, uh, that the information from the DNA or from the water surrounding the DNA, because he'd use, sometimes he used highly dilute uh, DNA, uh, would get into the water uh, by some kind of, he didn't know what exactly. So he took the water, and then he used the PCR uh, technique, which we all have heard about because mm. COVID, same technique. Um, and he found that indeed, when he added the water to the chemicals that are necessary to make DNA, the new DNA had the same sequence as the original DNA. Wow. Um, you know, and a, a lot of scientists were, you might say, skeptical. And I just mentioned this uh, because, you know, we started at one end with the work of a spiritualist and the other end with the work of a Nobel laureate and many people in between. Many did he get, did he succeed? <laughs> did he get published? Well, yeah, he, he was able to get published. Um, and uh, he didn't, didn't publish too much on it, but published some. Um, on it, but you know he's Nobel laureate, and you can anybody can always find a, a, um, a journal that will publish your stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, you send it to enough journals, and eventually uh, one will get through. So, so okay. So let me um, um, that that's a, a you might say a brief summary of the idea of water memory, which seems, as I said, would seem preposterous to to a lot of people, but I. I just want to say uh, one in terms of application of this. See, what, what is easy water really capable of uh, of storing information? So one way you can you can ask that question is to say, um, uh, are there similarities between the structure of easy water and the structure of a computer memory? And the answer is absolutely yes, uh, with huge advantages of the easy water. So why do I say that? So. Um, if you if you look into um, let's say a thumb drive, the memory, what what is it? Well, it's a two dimensional array, a very regular array of transistors, basically, and each each of those transistors has two states. We tend to label it either zero or one, or on or off or whatever, and it's the distribution of those zeros and ones that that give rise to the the memory. That's how it works. You see. Now, what about easy water? Well, I said it's sheet-like, and each sheet um, has a, a regular array of oxygens and hydrogens. And it turns out, this is standard chemistry, that the oxygens have not 
not only two, but actually five different oxidation states, minus two, minus one, zero, plus one, plus two. And then it's not only two-dimensional, but the order extends into three dimensions because these, these stack. And, and so the answer is yes, at least in theory, uh, easy water has a capability uh, of, of doing this. And we did a calculation um, uh, of the, the, um, c- the uh, potential density, if you actually were to use easy water instead of silicon, um, what would be the advantage? And uh, we did a calculation, and because we're dealing at the atomic level instead of at the transistor level, that we could achieve, again, theoretical, uh, theoretically, an advantage of uh, 10 to the ninth, that is one, 1 billion times. In other words, you could, if it works, uh, you know, and theoretically it should work, and, uh, we're, we're interested in pursuing this and developing mm-hmm. it, but in theory, you'd have a computer that's the size of a pinhead. Um, wow. So, so this mm. is exciting. This is very, yeah. and we'd like to, we'd like to pursue it, but you know, again, this needs investment, um, in, in order to do it. So we, you know, this easy water, which started out as something uh, purely scientific, it, it turns out there are, um, you know, handful of applications uh, of this that have huge potential. We don't know for sure if, if they'll work, but at least theoretically, there's huge potential to, to really change the world in, in profound ways. Yeah. And, uh, I know I, that's I, no understatement, right? That, that really, yeah. If, if you were, if it's so we, exciting. I, mm. I, I must admit, I, I think, um, unfortunately, Richard, I, I need to, um, depart in a couple of minutes. So I think sure. we, we need to, um, bring this to a close. Uh, this has been really fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been absolutely wonderful. I will just br- briefly mention you mentioned her as well, Veda Austin, who's an who's an artist and not a scientist. And if you're if anybody out there listening is, and I'd love to get her on the show actually, but interested in experimenting with this, she has a very simple technique for um, yeah, playing with this potentiality of water that we're postulating here. And I actually tried it with the positive intention method where I, I tried to you know tran- transform positive intent transfer positive intentions into these various petrodes and completely failed i saw no differences but one thing i did see was w- between tap water and spring water and yep. i and so this is just one experiment completely unscientific but i i did see some patterning in the water in the spring water which just wasn't there in the tap water and so i just i found that very intriguing and it's just it's just a fun and really cheap and easy experiment for anyone who's intrigued wonderful yeah keep it up (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay i know you've got to go um so uh for people who want you know to dive into the book of course you know i'll give it uh, another plug here the fourth phase of water beyond solid liquid vapor um by yourself, Gerald Pollack. So uh, please do check that out. It was super easy read. We've talked about it. Full of stories, lots of pictures. Uh, yeah, just commend your writing. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it really is very yeah. well written. Um, any anywhere else you would send people? Uh, with yeah. you, oh, for info, information. And yeah, stuff. you just want to uh, go deeper I, on this. Yeah, and I look out for. Um, well, yeah, I'd send people to our, our Facebook page. I've I've done um, 
I've done uh, five minute snippets on uh, various aspects of nature and how four phase water impacts them. And they're on our uh, Facebook page. Uh, I've done uh, more than a dozen of them. I, I think six or seven or eight are out there. Uh, I'd send them, send them there. And uh, our laboratory website, pollocklab.org. Uh, and, uh, and finally, if, you know, if anybody is interested in some of the practical applications, uh, um, please contact us. We're interesting, interested in partnering with, um, with people who uh, think the way we do that these may be important for the future and um, want to help us out. Uh, so, um, yeah, I guess I would, I would leave it at that. And if you're seriously interested in water, come to our water conference. It's, it'll be held um, in Amsterdam uh, and this year in October, middle of October, the 11th through the 14th, I think. And the website is um, waterconf, C-O-N-F, conference, waterconf.org. Um, check us out there. And uh, yeah, well, I think those are the, the main uh, avenues of approach um, to find out more. Two more books are coming. Please look out for them. Um, and Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Thanks once again. Thanks for, for giving up your time and, and doing all this great work, which uh, with all the professional hits, I'm sure you're getting, uh, you know, you know, working in this, this area. Yeah. Well, it's exciting. I commend you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Brilliant. thank you. Thanks again. Appreciate it. And thank you. thanks to the audience for listening. Thank you. Thank you. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.